This episode of News Dump is brought to you by Stamps.com and Purple. Look, uh, I love a bit of escapism as much as the next guy, unless that next guy is Elliot, who frequently and justifiably mocks my joy in attending Disneyland on a somewhat frequent basis. The world is, in general, a huge bummer, and sometimes I just want to ride Pirates of the Caribbean or Space Mountain. I'm sorry. But I'm also not entirely sure that I fall into the category of a Disney adult because I can lead a normal functioning life outside of those theme parks. And honestly, if I didn't live within an hour's drive of one, I, I might not ever visit. The Disney adult is a person whose entire life and personality is based on this company, its intellectual property, and is only content when inside their land of escapism. And now, Disney is apparently working on a project so that these people will never have to leave that magical Disney bubble, because Disney is apparently creating an entire residential and commercial city. Yeah. Oh, Mark Zuckerberg, you have a metaverse? Well, we got a Disneyverse, and it's IRL. <laughs> no headset needed. Exactly. So yeah, the idea that in the midst of a nationwide housing crisis and potential bubble, Disney found the perfect opportunity to buy up a ton of land, will fully develop it, and then sell a dream to homeowners for a price that is not only attainable, but one that will actually convince people to live in the middle of the desert where this community is planned, it's pretty bold. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta hand it to them. That's a bold risk that they're taking. Yeah, uh, so this was also the, apparently the dream of Walt Disney himself when he was developing his Florida project. It yeah. was going to be the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, an actual city. The original idea was to have theme parks on the Florida property, but to also have an entire like community built there with a central hub, transportation, offices, schools, parks, playgrounds, and housing for upwards of 20,000 residents. As you're probably aware, that did not pan out. Epcot eventually just turned into another theme park but one that was originally based on science, geography, technology, and general education. Now it's home to a Ratatouille ride and a new Guardians of the Galaxy coaster. So take that, Walt. <laughs> Deadass. Not only was it not his original dream, they also took out, like, uh, Body Wars, and uh, there's uh, Life Under the Seas or some shit. It was very... It was the educational theme park. I went, uh, growing up in Florida, I went as a kid multiple times through school. Yeah. Like my fifth grade graduation with our trip been. to Epcot. What's in that big dome? Uh, it is a slow-moving dark ride that takes you through the evolution of technology from and communication from the caveman Ugh. to uh, the internet. Walt, come on. It's a very soothing ride. I want to see mm. that talking rap. And it's a lot of uh, the old school animatronics. Very interesting. It's a great big beautiful tomorrow. Um, but Walt's dream for a Disney-owned and planned community weren't completely shelved. Because uh, we actually already have a half-baked version of a small town completely owned and operated by the Disney company. Or at least it was. It was a project that didn't start off great and apparently isn't going so well these days either. Celebration Florida is a planned community that was designed and built by the Walt Disney Company just a short drive from the actual parks in what used to be Swampland. I mean, all of it was, all of Florida was, was Swampland. Yeah. Uh, the project had issues with construction, which has resulted in what's described as dilapidated houses in recent years. Uh, companies and contractors were switched around, and eventually Disney ended up divesting from the town. And some residents have found it difficult to sell their homes because of the condition of the construction, according to local outlets. Now, to add on to that, as someone who grew up in Florida and has driven through the town of Celebration and even stopped in its little main street, um, it is very, very weird. Big Truman Show vibes. Um, you always feel like you're being watched. And uh, this is like back in the 90s when it was at its peak. Yeah. And you would, um, 
if you were going through at night, uh, I wasn't sure we were being followed, but it sure felt like we were being followed. I would imagine so. Yeah. yeah um, there's a good, uh, I think Defunct Land did an episode on Celebration. If you want to know anything about the uh, less fun side of Disney, but still coming from a place where uh, this guy, like it feels like he does have a lot of love oh, he for has, the park. He has to, or else yeah. he's torturing himself. I mean, he just did a, a two-hour yeah. uh, video on the Fast Pass system. You'd so, have uh, to care about these things uh, in a positive way. Yeah. So yeah, even Celebration Florida was essentially just a very small neighborhood with a central community area anchoring it. Uh, it was a project that proved to be uh, difficult to perfect, even with those low, you know, barriers to success. Uh, turns out, guys, building a town is hard. Yeah, a town from scratch, jeez. <laughs> so, why does Disney want to do it again? How is it going to be different this time around? Where's it going to be? And who the hell is going to want to live there? Well. This time around, it looks like Disney is going to essentially be in charge of theming and storytelling, and we'll leave all the actual building and development to third-party companies that do this kind of thing for a living. Which is good, because uh, the, yeah. the Celebration Project, it, it I think, originally started with Disney, and then it pivoted to uh, other companies because they building a town is hard. It's and different so than building a theme park. Contractors and construction groups that uh, were trying to get it done as quick as possible for as cheap as possible, which resulted in what they have there now. Um, so starting this from the beginning of being like, look, we don't know what the fuck we're doing when it comes to building houses that are supposed to last more than a lifetime. Please, someone else do this. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it appears as though this new plan is going to feel a lot more surreal <laughs> than the Town of Celebration, if you'll believe it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also being pitched with a, an unsettling amount of promises for perfection. Literally living inside a false reality bubble. Uh, and while we can definitely imagine some people choosing to live here full-time, the reality is that this area will suffer from the same issues that are facing normal cities in this country, except cranked all the way up to 11. A majority of these houses are just going to be Airbnbs, so <laughs> people can live in this fantasy land temporarily on vacation. Yeah. The, the, de the desert, I'd say uh, at least 20% of the residences in the uh, southeastern California desert are vacation homes, part-time homes, rental homes. And speculators and investors are going to be watching this project and will purchase properties in order to just make them into vacation homes unless they are very strict about that not happening. But I, I'm not sure that they can stop that because yeah. even the local areas, the Coachella Valley and Palm Springs, they really do not like Airbnbs in their cities. Yeah. Um, as proven by any time you have to sign the contract when you're staying in one, it's just like, no music past 7 p.m. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, also, yeah, it's in the desert. Like, did we mention that? It's in the, the fucking desert? Yeah, it's not, you're like, oh, Disney, a Disney community, where is it? Anaheim? <laughs> no. It's 90 minutes to two hours east in the uh, Coachella Valley, which is a, a great spot to visit. Been there many times. For a weekend, it's a lovely trip. You got Palm Springs nearby. You got uh, golf courses. Joshua Tree about 45 minutes away. You got those big dinosaurs from the Pee Wee movie and the wizard. You got uh, Pachanga on the way there. Mm -hmm. hey, big outlet maybe, mall. Maybe do a little bit of gambling. <laughs> Uh, you got it's a great little pit stop on the way to, I don't know, Phoenix. Date farms, uh, just date palms as far as the eye can see. And those dates are delicious. And who doesn't want to stop by the Salton Sea? Which is a uh, reference that we will get to in just a second. Yeah, there are some, uh, there. yeah, this is kind of 
history repeating itself, especially with the design of it. I was like, yes. hold on. Wait. Where have I seen this before? The, a man-made lake? A giant man-made saltwater lake, you say? Yeah. Interesting. In the middle of the desert, you yes. say? Just downstream from the Colorado River, you say? Mm. So anyway, here's USA Today with more on this with uh, their coverage, which is hilarious and just completely surreal to read. Have you ever visited a Disney theme park resort with its perfectly manicured and clean scrubbed grounds, whimsical yet reassuring architecture, chirpy employees, and general sense of cheery optimism, and thought, how great would it be if you could take up permanent residence there? That's sort of the idea behind the Mouse House's latest venture, Disney-branded, master-planned home communities. Today, the company announced Story Living by Disney, which will be part of the same division that oversees its theme parks, Disney Cruise Line, and other experiences. The first community, which will be known as Cotino and include about 1,900 housing units, will be in the Palm Springs city of Rancho Mirage, California. Quote, there is incredible demand for all things Disney. Our fans continue to look for new ways to engage with us, to keep Disney as part of their lives, says Josh DeMauro, chairman of Disney Parks, Experiences, and Products. At the branded communities, he adds, you can be part of Disney all the time. What does that mean? Well, th and again, I have to point out, this is too much even for me. Like, I, I like going down for their little food festivals at California Adventure, uh, maybe having a gummy or two and getting on the Incredicoaster. It's nice to get out of the real world for a little bit. These people should just try psychedelics. Instead of committing like this, just do mushrooms yeah. once or twice a year. Mm -hmm. Get your fix. You don't want to live in Disneyland? Are you insane? <laughs> in the desert? Do you know how hot it gets out there? Also, like, I wonder if like at the parks where you, it is almost impossible to find silence. Yeah. Like, have you ever had to take a phone call inside of a Disney park? Can't do it. Because you'll, you'll be like, hold, hold on. Oh, you can hear that in the background just constantly. I'm imagining that like you're just out for a walk in this neighborhood and it's like playing the non-racist version of Song of the South in the background. Yeah. This is sort of like the town in WandaVision. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what Celebration felt like. Yeah. Or the Truman Show. or But Florida already has place to live. You just cannot leave. Florida already has the actual Truman Show, and it's where Matt Gates literally grew up. Yeah, but that's in the like house. a real city. Yeah. It just happens to be very Art Deco-themed for some reason. Yeah. Anyway, the article continues. As for the story living name, the communities will capitalize on the company's sense of storytelling and placemaking. Instead of telling Mickey Mouse tales, however, they will focus on the culture, history, experience, food, and other attributes of the places in which they will be built. Quote, Every single element of these communities will be steeped in a story, DeMauro notes. The residents, he says, will be active participants in the story. <laughs> what? Is this some sleep no more shit? Prices, financing, and other details have not been announced, but the development will include a variety of properties such as condominiums, single-family homes, and estates. Rental units are not anticipated to be part of the mix. Sorry, renters. <laughs> Families with young children and people of all ages will be able to purchase properties. Quote, Baby boomers are moving into retirement. They're going to be moving into retirement communities, says Daryl Fairweather, chief economist for Seattle-based real estate brokerage Redfin. Oh, fucker. Why not have it be a Disney-branded retirement community? Yes, get the fuck out of L.A., go move out to Disney World. <laughs> Leave my housing market alone, you vultures, you fucking vampires. What, what's even crazier about this is it's just like, yeah, and by the way, no rental properties. And it's, it's like, where are all of the employees at this going to live? And also the surrounding community when this drives all it's, of the prices. Yeah. The it's, prices it's out there are already outrageous. Wealthy retirees and people who, uh, you know, 
can afford a vacation home. The average house price in the direct area next to where this is happening is already over $700,000. And that's in the middle of the desert. So I wonder if they'll allow um, sort of uh, DIY timeshares, like not real timeshares, which are a scam, but uh, what do they call them? Like share homes? I don't know. It's like well, No, Disney already has the Disney Vacation Club, which is essentially timesharing. Wow. So they'll probably just have that like dedicated homes like that. Cause like when I was a kid, my parents and like 10 other families bought a condo in Palm Springs and it was like- That's a timeshare, buddy. Right, but it wasn't through a timeshare company. It was like an actual, there was no third parties involved. So Your dad's wonder, like a lawyer, so that's why, yeah. Yeah, a very sturdy contract. <laughs> and now we own that house and all the other families were pushed out. We got rid of it after a couple of years. Yeah. You can only go to Palm Springs so many times. Before. I think my my aunt got a timeshare in like Orlando and we all lived in Florida. And I remember my dad being like, the fuck is wrong with this woman? <laughs> well, I'm off for a vacation going up to uh, Orlando, Florida. Well, when you don't really ever leave your hometown, that does seem like a big vacation. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it did to me when I was growing up when I would like, it's a big state. Florida. I was like, oh, I'm going to drive to Orlando for a concert. Whoa, that's crazy. That would be like me getting a timeshare in like San Diego. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's far enough that I guess if Feels I wanted like to go spend somewhere? some time there, I'd, I'd, it would be nice to have a place to stay. But uh, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, a bit much. Yeah. Plan your entire life around that one weekend a year that you get to go to beautiful San Diego. It is a great town. I like it. Stop visiting L.A. Go to San Diego. Much nicer. The California dream is alive and well in San Diego. L.A. is a town of broken people <laughs> and broken dreams. <laughs> don't come. Don't come. As Kamala Harris would say. Don't come. Don't come. <laughs> uh, anyways, I mean, we, we really just have to keep reading this, this USA Today article because it's insane. The presumption that this will work perfectly, that nothing will go wrong, and that it's going to be financially feasible to keep it all running the way that it's described teeters on lunacy. Is there going to be like a bike cop who uh, makes you put coins in a jar if you swear? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I would imagine that there is going to be like patrols on like the the mall hoverboards. Or I, can't, the mall I can't wait for the first like George Zimmerman character to uh, emerge from this town. Someone is there will be eventually just because it will definitely happen. There will be the first ever murder. Yeah. on this Disney property. And it's and going be to be a great Netflix series. <laughs> Murder in Disney Town. Uh, uh, so, article, article. Disney says that amenities will include live entertainment, what? wellness programming, and seminars. Plans call for a centerpiece lagoon with a beach that will be accessible to members of the community's private club. There will be public components at Cotino as well, including a hotel and entertainment, dining, and shopping district. Guests will be able to purchase a day pass to visit the beach. According to Redfin's Fairweather, it's likely that Disney would tightly control the communities. That could bring both pros and cons to homeowners. There wouldn't be a rowdy bar down the street or obnoxious music from your neighbor, she says, but it would come at the cost of your own personal freedom. And your sanity. That Dixieland music is real fun the first couple times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I got to head over to the New Orleans Square part of town so I can hear some jazz. That parade just went by 30 <laughs> minutes ago, and they're they're acting like this is the first time they've been through here. They're doing the exact same thing again. And as a homeowner, you're going to love the nightly fireworks show. <laughs> <laughs> Every night at 8 p.m. Sounds like a war zone. <laughs> the dogs are going to love it. Let them know you're there. Yeah. Uh, so imagine everything that you've ever heard about or experienced with an overbearing HOA, and then take that to its ultimate conclusion. Because when your HOA is run by Mickey Mouse, 
You aren't going to be able to do anything that Goofy would let you do in the rest of his United States. Haha, <laughs> you're going to have to get rid of that basketball hoop in your driveway. <laughs> it's, against, hey, it's against the CCNRs. Hey, so I saw that you bought your kids a trampoline. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, notice that you ripped up those flowers you put down to put down your own uh, gardening area. Well, there's going to be a big upcharge for that, and uh, we're going to fly a drone over to your house and monitor it. If I see one car parked on the sidewalk past 9 p.m., that shit is getting towed at your expense. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's uh, pretty close to what's going to... Every time you ring a doorbell, instead of the ring, it goes, ha, ha, ha. Listen, you can personalize the inside of your property as much as you want. The outside, that's Mickey's room. And you leave it the fuck alone. How many hidden Mickey ears can you see on your own property? Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, once again, we have to point out that the location for this story, Living by Disney Development, is in the desert, outside of Palm Springs, where the temperature is frequently 110 to 120 degrees during the summer. And in the winter, at night, it's fucking freezing. <laughs> yeah, you get both extremes. Yeah, uh, so yeah, they're building... And this, I don't... This is the part where I'm like, this is not going to happen. This is going to get stalled in development. This is never going to happen. They, they're building a fucking gigantic lake just miles from the Salton Sea, which, if you know anything about that, makes this whole thing just deeply, deeply ironic. Uh, so, yeah, this is going to be a disaster if it ever even gets off the ground, and we're, we're totally here for it. Uh, personally, I cannot wait until this town is completely taken over by Coachella attendees once a year so you can watch all the people who live there and didn't rent out their Mickey mansions absolutely lose their damn minds in anger. They're ruining this beautiful community with my their, immersion with their rave music. It, it's actually some of them even had tattoos, which are banned here, <laughs> unless it's themed. Unless they're in the Pirates of the Caribbean area of town, they had, then they can have tattoos. They had tattoos and facial hair, which is also banned here. Yeah, unless you're in the Pirates area. Uh, and also uh, after Coachella, all the residents are be like, "Oh God, the ravers and uh, all the all the rock and hip hop people are all gone." And then they're like, oh, no, here comes Stagecoach. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All the country music fans are invading Disney Town. And, uh, yeah, if you need any more proof that Disney can get in over its head when it comes to projects like this, just take a look at their new Star Wars hotel, which has been facing backlash for months over its extremely high cost of entry and baffling amenities. Yeah, it, it, I, it, uh, <laughs> this is a real uh, presumptuous project that they are betting a lot of money on. It, so it plays out like an actual cruise. So once you blast off into space... You have to stay on board. I mean, you can't leave this hotel. In a windowless room. There yeah, are no yeah. windows. Because <laughs> that would break the immersion. You're in a small cabin of a spaceship. That's your that's your room. And yeah. you're surrounded by, like, diodes and big uh, ultra-high-def LED screens that mimics space and planets floating by and shit. And, and you have to... You, you can't leave and eat there, like, anywhere else. That would break the immersion. So you got to have to eat there. Yeah. Uh, everyone's in character. <laughs> yes, you have to uh, you have to act like you're a character from Star Wars yeah, while you're there. It sounds exhausting. Uh, and you have to do Star Wars shit the entire time. And it's like $5,000 a night. <laughs> yeah, for two nights it's like $5,000. Yeah. And you have to go to like uh, lightsaber training and shit. Uh, while there certainly is a market for oh, that. Oh, yeah, freaks. Uh, a room, like Elliot said, for this Galactic Star Cruiser starts at around $5,000 for a two-day stay. Hey, that's cheaper than the Super Bowl. So that's something. Yeah, I guess. Though uh, you do get to go into the park, or it, you just get to go to Galaxy's Edge, actually. And you get transported there in the back of a box truck to maintain the illusion that you're taking an excursion from the main ship. You get black bags. They uh, well, they break into your room. <laughs> of course, you would assume <laughs> that the box truck's interior 
would be themed correctly. Yeah. But it is funny because they're like, the Galactic Transport units are here, and it's a U-Haul truck that's painted white. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're literally in the back of a U-Haul uh, getting carted around. I'm like, oh, the space is bumpy today. Yeah. Wouldn't want to we just hit an alligator. Oh, sorry, meteor. Meteor. We <laughs> yeah. <just> hit a... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's wild, it's outrageously priced, and it's already facing large amounts of cancellations. Disney even recently sent out a survey to, survey to confirmed guests that basically asked them if they were sure that they still wanted to come and asked them why. Yeah. And yeah, they released a, a video ambitious. about this uh, that was supposed to be like, you know, hyping it up. And it was one of the most downvoted videos. They ended up delisting it from YouTube and a wave of cancellations hit once people actually saw uh, what this experience was going to be like. Yeah. Uh, Have you ridden the Millennium Falcon ride at Disney? Yeah. So imagine being trapped on that for two days. Fuck that. No. No. Rise of the Resistance, though. Phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Incredible. I have not gotten to ride Rise of the, the, the Rise of the Resistance because I went right after Star Wars Land opened and it was yeah. not ready yet. Did you know that you can uh, pay $25 to ride it now and not wait in line? Yeah, because they got rid of the Fast Pass. Now it's... Genie Plus. Yeah, now it's Genie Plus. And but what? there's an upcharge for that ride and uh, cars. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, nickel and diamond. Yeah, every chance they get. That's... Imagine that that the, what it's going to be like in their own city. Yeah. So um, get excited for Cotino. Out there I am Palm, very excited. Palm Desert. Uh, yeah. But let's move over now to actual movie news uh, because another attempt at creating a successful movie franchise based off of a video game hits theaters this weekend. And ooh, ooh, looks like it's already a huge disappointment. Who could have seen this coming? Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, you guys like Nathan Drake? What if he was a little kid? (laughs) What if he was a cute little kid? Yeah. I mean, he's like 23, but he still seems very young. Anyway, yeah, seems like Sonic the Hedgehog has only, it's been the only movie to break this curse. It's going to remain that way for now because Uncharted. Not good. <laughs> yeah. And we all saw this coming as soon as the casting announcements were made. Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg starring in this movie over actors that could maybe more accurately portray the characters from the game immediately just set off alarm bells for everyone. It's like, I think like De Niro was the dream cast for uh, Sully. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there was different, like Nathan Fillion, maybe a little too old for Nathan Drake. But there, there was a lot of like, there was so much fan casting over the years. And they come out with this, it's like, well, yeah, because in theory, they're positioning it as a legacy franchise that Tom Holland... Tom is, Holland, you're going to be playing Nathan Drake for the rest of your life. I mean, exactly like Harrison Ford, which in Uncharted is obviously based off of like Indiana Jones and shit like that. Yeah. And so now they're just making a derivative movie. That's uh, the whole reason the idea when they announced this like, movie, which they were... It was in development hell for like a decade, but it's like, this doesn't make sense. The Uncharted games only work as a... Video game version. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's an homage to Indiana Jones. So you take that and make it into a movie, then it just feels like a fucking ripoff of better movies in the <laughs> same category. Yeah. But hey, maybe it's good. Apparently not. And uh, yeah, so everyone's skepticism and alarm bells were further confirmed once the marketing started up and we all just got to see that this movie might actually look worse graphically than the games themselves. Some of the shots uh, in the trailer, I was just like, this feels like it's 15 years old. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, they got time to fix that. It's like, oh, no, it's coming out next week. Well, fuck. I was surprised that this movie, I, I was just like, oh, yeah, that's coming out next week, you say? Oh, I won't be seeing this. So, yeah, they might have taken the term video game movie too literally based on these 
trailers. Uh, yeah, it's like a long cutscene. Yeah. You excited? Uh, but uh, it's also just the movie in general, which apparently sucks. It currently sits at a 40% rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, with the general consensus being promisingly cast but misleadingly titled Uncharted Minds its best-selling source material to produce a disappointing echo of superior adventure films, which is exactly the my concern when they announced it. Okay. How is this going to be different than Tomb Raider, which was also like derivative of uh, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, here's some more excerpts from reviews. David Fear of Rolling Stone said of the film, it's a second-generation copy of someone else's staticky greatest hits compilation. You're better off watching old walkthrough clips. Yeah, they're great games. They are great games. Uh, a review from the New York Times quipped, at least give Sony credit for recycling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, AV Club's Mike D'Angelo added that Uncharted isn't even especially good fan service. Uh, and even the slightly positive reviews seem to agree that the film is just good enough with our friend Emily Zemler writing for The Observer saying, did we need an Uncharted movie? No. Is it worth seeing? Sure, if you have nothing else to do and you've already played all the games in the series. (laughs) And the rest of the positive reviews that we saw all basically indicated that it's a watchable adventure film if you leave behind the fact that it's not a great Uncharted adaptation and it's just an okay Indiana Jones knockoff that's filling a blockbuster release void in the movie release calendar. It's been slow. I'm seeing something that's been happening, at least at my local theater, is they're bringing back movies that released last year again in theaters. Hmm. Uh, Like, um, I can't remember the one that was just back in that I almost went and saw. But Encanto is coming back out. Uh, There's a couple other ones. But it's there's because of COVID, there has been a lapse in blockbuster movies. So they're, uh, yeah. This is kind of one of the only things to see this weekend. But hey, you know better than us. So if you've seen it, let us know how we're wrong in the comments below. All right. We do have some more news coming up for you in just a second. But first, let's thank today's sponsors, starting with Stamps.com. If you own your own business, that small business certainly doesn't seem small to you. You can't afford to miss out on opportunities to grow and keep your customers wanting more. Time is money. Don't waste either with repeated trips to the post office. With Stamps.com, you can skip the trip and focus on how to take your small business to the next level. Stamps.com lets you print official postage right from your computer and saves you money in the process so you can spend less time at the post office and more time making your customers happy. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Stamps.com gives you access to all the post office and UPS shipping services that you need right from your computer. And you get discounts that you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and standard printer, no special supplies or equipment. You're up and running in minutes printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere that you want to send. Stop overpaying for shipping with Stamps.com. Sign up with our promo code NEWSDUMP for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on that microphone at the top of the page, and enter our code NEWSDUMP. This episode is also sponsored by Purple. Purple's goal is to make sure you're getting the best night's sleep possible. These days, there's no shortage of gimmicks out there that promise a great night's sleep. I don't care what kind of toppers there are, how heavy a blanket may be, it's lipstick on a pig. (laughs) If you're sleeping on a terrible mattress, your sleep will be terrible. It's that simple. That's why we recommend sleeping on a purple mattress. That's because only purple mattresses have the Gel Flex Grid. It's a super stretchy, ultra squishy material that adapts and flexes around pressure points and doesn't retain heat. 
The Gel Flex Grid is amazingly supportive for your back and legs while cushioning your shoulders, neck, and hips, no matter how you sleep. Unlike memory foam, which remembers everything, thanks to the Gel Flex Grid, purple mattresses bounce back as you move and shift. You'll never have that I'm stuck feeling that people get with memory foam. I love my purple mattress. It is it a is. dream. It is. Uh, there's no going back after this. Uh, yeah. I, you know, you used to take your purple pillow with you to hotels. I wish I could take my purple mattress with me to hotels. Yeah. There you go. And uh, look, you only have a couple chances in your life, hopefully, to buy a new mattress. And uh, it's great. Make this one the one that you get. Make Plus, save some money with our promo codes. Yeah. So try your purple mattress risk-free with free shipping and returns. Financing's available, too. Getting a great night's sleep starts with having a great mattress. Go to purplemattress.com slash newsdump and use code newsdump. For a limited time, you can get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That is purple.com slash newsdump, code newsdump, for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash newsdump, promo code newsdump, terms do apply. All right, back to the news now with some more fun censorship out of China as more and more Western movies and TV shows start hitting their streaming services. And while it's completely believable that a film like Fight Club would be heavily censored in China, this next one took us a little bit by surprise. Friends. We're taking over a block of apartments in New York City and creating the friends averse where everyone can live in harmony and people would it. sign up for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the 90s television series Friends is apparently being censored over in China for being way too naughty and risque for local viewers. And the way the show has been altered is both funny and uh, depressing. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Vice with more. Friends fans in China have been offended by a heavily censored version of their beloved sitcom with suggestive lines altered and LGBTQ plots removed entirely. For example, it never mentions Ross's ex-wife Carol is a lesbian. Uh, Joey and Chandler's New Year's Eve kiss in the 10th episode never happens. When Joey advises Ross to go to strip joints, the Chinese subtitle reads, go out to play. And when Ross says women can have multiple orgasms in the fifth episode, the line is translated as women have endless gossip. <laughs> in the 15th episode, the one with the stoned guy, Phoebe said their guest smoked a joint, you know, lit a bone, weed, hemp, ganja. But the Chinese translation says he smoked some very strange medicine. That's funny, though. Uh, Vice World News confirmed the edits in the Tencent video version. Many fans say the removal of lesbian and sexual references shows China's increasingly conservative censorship rules are going against the global trend of growing diversity. Even a 2012 version released in China was less censored. That version was taken down in 2018. So Damn. They altered what they already had released. And they do add that this is just the first season of the show that's been released so far uh, with the new streaming platforms. Uh, it's all that's been officially released, and uh, they are going to be releasing uh, the rest of the season, so I'm sure we'll be seeing some more glaring examples of alterations in the coming months. So my understanding of how this works is, like, it's not Chinese government censors making these decisions. They do it in a way where it's like 10 cents. Don't make us mad. Yeah. Censor as you see fit. Do what we would do. Yeah. Don't make us angry. And so 10 cent, you know, they're kind of like, in a spot where they maybe are being a little overzealous with it. Yeah. Because uh, they're already, the past year or so, uh, not on China's good side. Yeah. With all those video games turning our virile young men into fat little piggies yeah. who can't fight in the next world war. We need them fit and strong and not gay. Exactly. I just don't know how they, they must edit out entire parts of the episode about like Ross's ex-wife. Yeah, I don't know how that would work because, yeah, that's a pretty big plot point. Yes. Oh, well. Speaking of censorship, though, 
a professional gamer, has been removed from their esports team after making some deeply offensive jokes at the expense of a highly discriminated group of people. The vertically challenged. Uh, here's Kotaku with more. <laughs> professional Tekken player Tanu Kana has been booted from Osaka-based esports team Cyclops Athlete Gaming for remarks she made about men's heights during a live stream. Tanukana is apparently a pretty big deal in Japan. She's been featured in mainstream press over there and even promoted stateside as well. So this is a huge hit to the esports community where it's already difficult to retain top female talent. So must have been uh, must have been some pretty offensive stuff she said. What, <laughs> yeah. what did she say that caused this fuss? In a February 15th stream, Tanukana said, "Men who are under 5 foot 7 don't have human rights." She added that they should look into getting bone lengthening surgery. So they these short kings they, uh, they get very angry. They start swinging, and then you got to hold their head back. <laughs> and it's just, it's not fun for anyone involved. I, if I were, I would call out the gaming organization for the word Cyclops. Yeah. Oh, let uh, this gaming organization who lives in a glass house cast the first stone. Yeah, you apologize to Congressman Dan Crenshaw right now. They would, they would miss the glass house because of the depth perception. Uh, Kotaku points out that there may be some confusion, though. Uh, something lost in the translation, maybe. In Japanese, the word for human rights is jinken, but in gaming parlance, jinken refers to an item or character that all players need to have. On Twitter, a debate has ensued over whether the slang led to Tanukana's remark. Regardless, the remark caused controversy online in Japan and was splashed all over Yahoo News. In a now-deleted tweet, Tanukana wrote, It was pointed out to me that my stream contained hate speech. <laughs> she added that this was not her intention and that she poorly expressed her love of tall people. Oh. It's not that I hate shorties. <laughs> it's, just, it's just that I only want to associate with tall people. Yes. So there you go. And this happens, uh, This is you clearly see it like all over Reddit and elsewhere. Like This is uh, discrimination that ap uh, appears frequently on Tinder. Mm -hmm, where it's yeah. like, guys under 5'11 need not apply. Yeah, I mean, that, that would suck. But also, I do kind of appreciate uh, those kinds of people just putting it out there and being like, don't waste your time on me. Not I'm wasting a, time. I'm a shallow fucking cunt. Yeah. Move along. Yeah. All right, good. I'm not getting invested in this at all. Yeah. So you got a you know, glass half empty, mm -hmm. half full. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> her team later confirmed that they did indeed fire her over this and uh, all of her sponsors were removed from her page, which I think is an overreaction. While this maybe is a win for all the short kings out there, it's... It, might also be a loss for competitive gaming in general because it would have been awesome to see her talking shit at a tournament. Yeah. 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 Hey, you need a booster seat for this Tekken player. <laughs> uh, I think she'll be fine on live streaming after all this. Yeah. You know, Esports, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of money she'll in it, but uh, yeah, should be a big boost to her uh, subscribers. Just a bunch of short simps just throwing money. Little little cash piggies. Insult me again. Yeah. Tell me I'm a little... little tiny little freak spit on me from all the way up there in the clouds tell me i can't ride roller coasters yeah speaking of gaming fails though battlefield 2042 has officially dethroned anthem and cyberpunk 2077 as the worst game launch in recent memory mm -hmm. and uh it's looking like it might follow anthem's lead and just uh never regain a player base leading further development and to just be halted entirely because what's the point then yeah so the roadmap for the game has been pushed back while the dev team tries to fix what's already broken with the game. So new maps and features haven't even been released for a game that came out months ago. And now, executives are already playing the blame game and are, of course, pointing their fat, disgusting fingers at everyone except themselves to explain Battlefield 2042's failures. Once again, from Kotaku. 
Battlefield 2042's launch has been a disaster for Electronic Arts. Fan reception has been hostile, player counts have dropped like a stone, and the company won't even disclose how many copies of the game have been sold. With the game having been out for three months now and things far from improving, a report on Xfire says EA executives recently held an internal town hall meeting where not only was the game described as a miss, but a number of reasons were put forward for its calamitous launch. EA's chief studios officer, Laura Mealy, uh, spoke in that meeting about the factors that they blamed for the terrible reception. Yeah, so Mealy cites everything from the aging Frostbite engine. Quote, the Frostbite version they were on was so old they had to go back and update, so it was basically putting the game on a new engine, uh, to the pandemic. Quote, add a global pandemic halfway into the project where the game teams had to work from home, we ended up with more new variables in development than we have ever experienced before to the bug count, which was historic levels for a dice game. Uh, so one final and very funny reason that Miele uh, cites is Halo Infinite, a game that is not Battlefield 2042 uh, at all. It's a completely different game. Mm -hmm. um, not really much of a Venn diagram there. They, do have, well, they both have guns. Mm -hmm. It did come out around the same time, though, and apparently created a comparison for multiplayer shooter fans that was not favorable because Halo Infinite was a very polished title, whereas Battlefield 2042 contained bugs and wasn't as polished, which is really putting it lightly, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is... Uh, there's been bad news coming out of this for a while that we haven't really covered because it's just, like, trickling out, but uh, things have not been going great in the world of Battlefield 2042. Once they enable the NFTs, people Don't are going to flock to this game. Uh-huh. So, yeah, Battlefield 2042's active player count has dwindled down into the low thousands, hitting numbers as low as 2,000 to 5,000 active players in a 24-hour period. Uh, season 1 for the game, uh, which will finally come with a new map and new features, isn't even scheduled for release until this summer. Season 1 of a game that came out in November won't be out till this summer. So, yeah, it this seems is sad. To me, it seems completely doomed. I mean, this was one of my favorite franchises yeah. uh, a few years back. And this, they took a long time putting this out. People are like, well, it must be good. They've well, and taken, that was the thing. With, there's been like four COD games since the last Battlefield. The this initial is, marketing for this, too, is like, you remember everything you love about the old Battlefield games? We're just going to do all of the things you love and none of the things you hate. We're yeah. going to make it goofy as hell. You can do whatever you want, and it's going to be perfect because we've learned from everything that we've done over the past 15 years, and here you go. And then it was just like, this is nothing like anything anyone wanted. Yeah. Gamers, we heard you loud and clear. Yeah. Anyway, for our final bit of news tonight, we will loop back around to movies based on video games and how they almost never work. But when they're first announced, there's always a little bit of hope that things will be great this time. Yeah. And you're going to get exactly what you always hoped for this time. This next project definitely has the potential to be good. And Netflix is the company working on it, and they've, they've done a pretty good job with The Witcher. So, yeah. Although that's a book adaptation, it's not based on a video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, fingers crossed for this new project. A Bioshock movie is now officially in the works through Netflix and 2K Games. Uh, so here's Deadline with more. Set across multiple dystopian and visionary landscapes gone wrong, the Bioshock video game series has blended sci-fi and horror to pose unique existential and societal questions reshaping how game stories are told, all amidst pulse-pounding action gameplay that rewards sharp shooting, clever planning, and lethal improvisation. Over the years, multiple attempts at adapting the franchise for film have been made, all at Universal. Gore Verbinski signed on to direct a Bioshock film from a script by John Logan in 2008, 
but that project was shelved due to budget concerns. With Verbinski later in talks to produce an adaptation from director Juan Carlos Fresnadillo, uh, that iteration was likewise canceled in 2013 when the filmmakers failed to reach an agreement with the studio with regard to the film's budget and intended rating. 2K will produce the upcoming adaptation with Roy Lee's Vertigo Entertainment. Quote, Netflix is among the best and most forward-thinking storytellers in all of entertainment today. We are thrilled that they share our vision and commitment to the Bioshock franchise, which is beloved by millions of fans around the world, said Take-Two Interactive's chairman and CEO Strauss Zelnick. 2K's Cloud Chamber Studio is deep in active development on the next iteration of the series, and coupled with our partnership with Netflix, we remain highly confident that Bioshock will continue to captivate and engage audiences like never before. I didn't know there was a new Bioshock in development. That's cool. Also, right. um, we're still, I, I, I haven't checked the release schedule, but we are owed a Borderlands movie somewhere in the very near future. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was announced a long time ago. And that's, uh, what's his name? The horror director, I believe. The guy that made Hostel. I think that's Eli yeah. Roth. I think yeah. that he's doing it. I think so. Anyways, uh, that'll be a good uh, view into how 2K does uh, some of their biggest games into feature-length yeah, films. That will be interesting. I mean, I mean, obviously, when you think of Bioshock, you would the first thing you would go to would be like Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, especially for like the first two games. Yeah. So, look, Netflix, they did okay with Witcher, which, as you point out, book, not game. But they also like have uh, a terrible track record with certain adaptations, like that Death Note that everyone hated. That was an anime, but uh, you know you get to you get to. And the uh, the more recent one, Cowboy Bebop. Oh yeah, people people fucking people hated fucking that. hated that. It got canceled immediately. Yeah, after, after years of hype, like oh my god, it's gonna happen, and this time they're not gonna fuck it up. They're doing it right. They're doing it right. No, I guess not. Yeah. Well, uh, as with most video game adaptations, I'm not putting a lot of faith into this. It's a miracle that Sonic was as good as it was. And Sonic 2 is coming out soon. Sonic is good because of bullying. Yeah. Because bullying works. Yeah. Bullying works. Yeah. There you go. And that's why the full Justice League was good, too. Yeah. Yes. Bully. Today's day of the word of the day is bully. Bullying. Yeah. And it's five letters. It can go in the world. All right, well, that's it for today's episode. Uh, we'll be back soon with some weekly weird news. In the meantime, we have a new episode of Tech News Day for you to check out and an episode where we reviewed all of the uh, Super Bowl commercials, among other things, right over here. Check both of those out, subscribe to the channel, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.